I could see all the way to the end of the street. Cool. What do you see? I can, I can see a stop sign. I can see the stop sign. Man, why you gotta be like that? I'm sure that those binoculars are cool and all, but seeing the stop sign, that's not cool. What if I told you they could see into the future? Can they? What if I told you they could? Well, you kind of just did, and that's when I said, can they? No, they can't. Man, if they could, I'd never make a bad decision again. Like buying a $500 pair of binoculars? Like inviting you here to be ridiculed for buying them. <laughs> this is not ridicule. Can I see those? What do you see? Looks like the binocular store's having a sale. Should have seen that coming. Are they really? All right, good good to have you here today. Those guys are introducing uh, for us the topic of the series that we're going to look at. In the Bible, uh, you find a certain kind of knowledge that gives perspective that we really need for living life. It's a perspective that breeds confidence. One of the definitions of confidence in the dictionary is certitude, assurance, um, fortification, like Wheaties, fortify, you know. Uh, that's, that's, that's one of the aspects of confidence. We really need that. As we're handling the flow of life, we need confidence to respond to it, because it, it goes screeching by. St. Patrick's Day uh, marked the two-year anniversary of my mom's passing away, and my wife and I took care of my mom and dad for five years. They lived with us. We took care of them. And as I was making the medical decisions, my brother and sister live in another state, so I was the one responsible. I'm the baby, but I was the one responsible to make the decisions. You know, as I'm making decisions for my mom and my dad both, I needed I needed confidence in those times, um, and, and that's how life is. It flows by, sometimes it screens by, and we need a sense of certitude, confidence. I lead Church in the Valley, and I'm responsible to make decisions. When I die and go to heaven, God's going to say, Randy, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? I'm accountable before God. And as I make decisions, they're going to either open up opportunities for people and try to include more people in what we're doing. As I make decisions for the organization, you know, life, organizations don't stand still. Life changes. Things, things shift. And when we make decisions, we're hitting a moving target, and we need confidence. We need it for the decisions that we make, we, we make uh, every day. I, you know, when, when I'm trying to repair a relationship, something's messed up, and I've got I've to have a conversation. I'm not quite sure how it goes. One guy calls it the tunnel of chaos, but you know you've got to work things out. I need confidence. As I go into that tunnel of chaos, I need confidence. I also need it uh, for the future, handling health concerns. You know, this guy had a binoculars. They can't see into the future. We can't see into the future. But we need confidence somewhere as we're moving. You know, I've got three friends, pretty close friends, who've come down with a, a mild form of cancer in the last several years, and they got through on the other side. They, they uh, did, took different paths on uh, their treatment, and I was taking notes because I don't know what the future holds. You know, it was a, it was a form of cancer that men deal with. And so I'm, I don't know. 
I need confidence as I think about the future, as I, as I look ahead. As life flows by, I need it, and you do too. We, we need confidence. We need confidence to build a life. Because that's what we're doing. Life isn't static. We're building a life. We're not making decisions and choices that are unrelated to each other, but we're making decisions and choices that are building on one another. And we need confidence, certitude, to make choices that are flowing by in our marriages. How can I say the things? How can I do the things that are going to make it better? And parenting. We've, we've been entrusted with children. God, how, how am I going to, you know, I need confidence. I need to know that I'm heading in the right direction. In, in all life, across the board, in our careers, in schooling. We need, we need confidence from somewhere. Finances, handling our finances, dealing with trouble, finding a mate, ministering to other people. We want to try to help other people. We need, we need, otherwise, we're just going to try to stand still. And life doesn't do that. Life doesn't stand still. You can't just wait it out. You're having to respond. If you're going to make the most of it, if you're going to build a life, you need to respond to what's going on. You need to decide and uh, make a choice to move ahead. Confidence is absolutely crucial for living life. And in this series, I'd like to share with you a very basic truth about God, about who he is, that brings confidence, the confidence that we need to handle life. In this series, I want to show you basically how faith helps. It really does help. And I've called this series Providence. And I love the picture. If you could you go back to the first slide, I think it's I love that. Isn't that cool? Looks like something from the Discovery Channel. But it gives you this idea of just a real broad perspective and you're seeing things from way back where. And that's really gives a great view of what we're talking about in this series. Providence is a word from a Latin prefix and a root. Pro, meaning before or in front of, and videre, meaning to see. When you put these two words together, you have a word that means to see beforehand. God has a unique vantage point. He sees the end from the beginning. He, he's watching. He's, he's the one back there with that view. He, he's watching what's going on in the world and in our lives, and nothing is escaping his notice. He, he sees it. He sees it as it's happening. He sees it, what's going to happen. He, all at once, he's looking. Now, this is, this is hard for us to imagine, someone who can see the end at the beginning. Very hard to get our minds around. How can that be? The answer is, he's God and we are not. I mean, that's the answer. There's only one God. There's only one him. And he has the ability to do things we can't comprehend. It's actually unsearchable. Romans 11 says, he is unsearchable. You cannot trace what he's doing. You, you cannot completely comprehend him and wrap your mind around him. 
but we can know enough about him to trust him. And the the truths that I'm going to talk about in this series are the kind that fortify. They they are going to really help us. If you can come to, to the faith in God and put your faith in him, then they fortify you. And as the flow of life is screaming by, you have a sense of confidence. So I want to encourage you, if you're just checking out Christianity, if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, really check it out. Ask the questions. Ask the hard questions. Don't be afraid. Don't, you're not going to freak anybody. At least here, we want you to feel free to ask the questions. So ask the questions that are in your mind because it is crucial that you nail this down, that you get the answers. And, and while you're asking the questions, of the things that you can't make sense of, ask God. Just go before, go to God in prayer and just ask him to show you himself. Show, God, would you show me who you are? Show me the truth about who you are. Really check this out. Get the answers because if you ask him, he'll get involved. And he is involved. He's been involved in your life. He, he is sovereign. I reviewed a verse yesterday. I was walking through my neighborhood, and I was reviewing uh, memory verses, and one of them, Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen, Awe, sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. If you can trust him, you find certitude, confidence. And so the things I'm sharing with you in this message series are things that really fortify us in this way. In this series, we're going to look at how much confidence it brings to know and trust God's providence. Today, we're going to look at how faith brings confidence in the face of loss or the threat of loss and in the face of worry. Next week, we're going to look at how we find confidence as we trust God to respond in the midst of pain and difficulty. The next week, how we face uncertainty while we're wading through difficult circumstances and the, the last week, we're going to look at how to deal with the what-ifs, all the contingencies. Well, what if this, what if this happens? So we're, we're going to look at some truths about God and some examples he's given us, some scripture, really, and find out how, how walking with him through life really brings a sense of confidence. One thing providence means is that God sees the end from the beginning, Today, we're going to look at another aspect of it, how providence also means that God makes provisions for his people. Look at how close that word is, pro-vision. Remember, vider means to see, vision, pro-vision. God is watching us, and he's watching after us. One of the basic prayers children pray when they're first learning to pray God, dear God, please watch over mommy, daddy, brother, sister, my friends. This is, this is the sense. God is not only watching us. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. He's not only watching us. He's watching after us. He's watching over us. He is not a supreme clockmaker who designed and fashioned an intricate clock, wind, winds it up, and then walked away, just stepped, stepped away from the world and let it run. That's, that's not who God is. That's not what God's done, and that's not what we find in Scripture. 
A practical statement of faith I learned a long time ago is, as I'm dealing with uh, these decisions, choices, the flow of life, I can say, God is in control and he will not rip me off. That's a practical statement of faith. As I'm dealing with things that are out of control, as I'm trying to handle things that I, you know, because we hit our limit. We're limited. This is one reason we can't understand God. We are limited. He is limitless. He is, he is infinite. We're finite. We're, we, we can't grasp him. When we hit the limits of our control, we can say and trust that God is in control and he will not rip me off. Uh, when we choose that kind of faith every day, life is more enjoyable. And we're able to not just stand still and let life come at us, but we're able to respond and make choices as we trust him to provide. When we, when we choose that kind of faith, the knot in our stomach sort of lets loose a little and loosens, and we can go through life at a different pace. So here's the key thought for the day that I want you to hang on to. Our confidence grows every time we trust God to provide. And, and God, what he does is, the way he wires life together, is he gives you daily opportunities to trust him or not. Or not. Now, the way God is, we, we trust him to provide, and our confidence grows. But we trust him to provide to fulfill his purpose for me, for us. Not, not our purpose. The way God is, if you want to go on your own and live for your purpose, he'll allow you to do that. He's not going to force you to live for his or to follow him. But every time, our confidence is going to grow every time we trust God to provide to fulfill his purpose for me and my life. Every day, we have to put our confidence somewhere, in someone or something. We, we put it in ourselves. We put it in people around us, some idea, some train of thought. We, we put our confidence somewhere. Self-confidence has its limits because we all get to the point where we where it's out of our control. And so we need to place it somewhere. Well, we're going to look at how trusting God brings confidence for living. Um, every day, we have opportunities to choose whether or not to trust him. Some, we, we face these crises. Some are big, some are small. But we face these crises, and we're, we're able to choose whether or not we're going to exercise faith, whether we're going to trust God to provide or we're going to figure it out ourselves or we're going to go on our own or whatever we're going to do. We do that with life in general. But for sure, we choose whether or not in every day as we're walking along. Now, Abraham is the example that we're going to look at today. And he gives us an example to follow. He, he was chosen. Abraham was chosen by God to be the father of a nation who would, God hoped, would bless the world and show them who he is. So Abraham, way back there, 1900s B.C., he was the man that God chose to father of peoples that God was hoping would bless the world and draw the world to himself. He's always looking at the world. So let's look at God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, 
His name got changed later to Abraham. Uh, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So here's Abraham. He's a man that God wants to bless. And through his offspring, through his descendants, he's hoping to bless the world through this nation. Now, Abraham was 75 when God made this promise to him. He had no children. His wife, Sarah, was barren. But as soon as God told him to leave the country, you know what Abraham did? He left the country. He started on a trek across a pathless desert, the Arabian desert. He, he goes 400 miles across the desert because God told him to do it. So God says it. He, he follows him. He does it. He had no map, no knowledge of the geography, no GPS system. He's just walking across the desert. He took, across, he took off across this desert because God told him to do it. And when he arrived in Canaan, so he gets to Canaan, the, the, the Israel area of the world, and God says at that point to your offspring, I will give this land. He's 75. He has no kids. His wife, Sarah, is barren. She hasn't been able to have kids. It doesn't look like she can. And God says, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, and there's a lot of stuff I could tell you, but I don't have time. 25 years later, Abraham and Sarah have a child. Isaac is born. 25 years later. They, the, the promise is fulfilled because now he has an offspring, the son of his promise, the promise that God had given him. So that tells you something about God's time scale, that, you know, the picture with the long view of things. God, God's not on our time scale. So 25 years after he said it, God does it. A lot of other stuff happened I don't have time to go into, which brings us to what I want to talk about today primarily, Abraham's ultimate test of faith. We're going to dig into this. Sometime later, Genesis 22 says, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. This is a test, a supreme test. This is a horrible request. Horrible. This is mind-boggling. Abraham's life to this point was marked with an extraordinary amount of faith. He trusted God in the middle of some awful situation, some impossible situation. And there was nothing more precious to Abraham than Isaac. And here it is, God has asked him to offer him up as a sacrifice to him. He was being asked to give him up. How do you respond to God when it looks like the things that are most precious to you are going to be lost, or when they are lost, or when it seems like you're going to have to give up on your dreams? How do you respond to God? Where do you put your confidence in that moment, because every day 
in very small ways, and then maybe in large ways, we're going to be asked. We're going to be tested. And we're going to have to decide where we're going to put our confidence. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, and he saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Seren Kierkegaard wrote a book about this story, about this test. And it was called Fear and Trembling. And in the book, he looked at this test. He, he talked about this verse I just read you. And he speculated on why Abraham got up early. He said, well, you know, maybe he got up early because he was eager to do what God had told him to do. Or another option, maybe he got up early because all night long he was in torment about what God had asked him to do. To Kierkegaard, I say, come on, really? <laughs> I mean, do you really think he got up early the next morning because he was eager to do what God told him to do? He was in torment. He couldn't, he, he was, he was shaken to his core by what God had, had asked him to do. Fear and Trembling is a good name for that book. Isaac was the son of the promise. Isaac was most precious to him. Now, Abraham was old. He was more than 100. We're not sure how old Isaac was, but he was over 100. He was one of the wealthiest men in his era. And it says he saddled his own donkey and he chopped his own wood. Now, I've seen a lot of people deal with grief. And one of the ways they deal with grief is they throw themselves into some kind of work. That's a common response. I can see Abraham. He's chopping the wood. God's asked him to do this, and he's just chopping the wood. And he, he's trying to work it out. Here's, you know, he's 100 plus, chopping his own wood. He has servants who could do this, and he's, doing, he's working it out. After doing this task, these tasks, it says he set out for the place God had told him to, to go. And that reminds me, that, that comment where it says he set out for the place God had told him to go, reminds me of Luke 9.51, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, After the, as the time drew near for him to be called up into heaven, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem to do what he knew God wanted him to do. He set his face. I love that. He set his face. He knew God wanted this. It was going to be a horrible death that Jesus was going to die. But he set his face. Abraham did the same thing. He set out to go to the place God told him to go. On the third day, it says, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He walks three days to the region of Moriah, to the, to the mountain where God told him to go. He walks three days with his son beside him, and he finally gets to the place. He's, I mean, he had three days to think about this. Isaac's next to him. He's thinking about it the whole time. Isaac's not sure what's going on. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Interesting statement, we. He and Isaac are the only ones going. So as he's going through this, he's walking, he's thinking, he's considering it. He makes a statement of faith even in that. We're coming back. I don't know how God is going to do this. 
I don't know why God has told me to do this, but we're coming back. Abraham went through this test completely trusting God that he would make a way for his son to live. Next, we hear the conversation between Abraham and his son, Isaac. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Specifically, what Abraham said was, Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. It's the first reference in the Bible to providence. It's the first reference that you find in Scripture to this understanding that God is watching us and he's watching over us and he will provide for people who trust him to provide. It's an incredible expression of faith. God, my provider, he's going to provide my son. Faith believes that God is in control and he will not rip us off. Our confidence grows every time we trust him. And we have opportunities every day to trust God, to provide, to fulfill his purpose for us in our lives. And every time we trust him, our confidence grows. Even when it looked like God was going to take the very one he loved so much, the son who would be the fulfillment of the promise that God gave, he trusted. Abraham trusted. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar right there, and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hands, his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son your only son. The boy was never going to die. If Abraham decided not to go, if he started running the opposite direction of Moriah, the boy would have lived. He followed through. It was only a test. He was never going to die. God was never going to allow him to sacrifice his son. It was a test. God wanted to know that Abraham had the faith to, to let go of anything that came between God and he. And God wants to know that about us. Is there anything that we'll withhold from him? Is there anything that we'll put before him? That's a question that God's asking as we go through our days, as we're tested with these days. Now, why did he need to know this about Abraham? Why did God need to test him? Nobody else has ever been tested this way. And nobody else will be because, honestly, after the first time, it's, it's ruined. You know, I mean, oh, yeah, I remember Abraham. This isn't really, you know, going to happen. I'll just go through the motions. Yeah, after that, it's kind of blown. So he never asked anybody else to do this. But why did he ask Abraham to do this? We sing a song in Sunday school. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Never made any sense to me. My dad's name was GC. 
I never got that. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And then you do things like put your left arm. It was really pretty cool for a kid. We used to sing that, and I didn't get it. You know, my dad, his name's not Abraham. He's not my dad. I don't get this. And so I just sort of wrote it off with a lot of other things I learned in Sunday school that didn't make any sense to me. But this week, I began to give it some thought. Why did God test Abraham this way? Why did he have to put him through this? This is horrible. This is horrendous. Why did he? Well, God was trying to build a culture. He was trying to build a nation of people who would show the world what it was like to trust him. You have to start with a guy who has ultimate faith in an ultimate test. You have to have, that's, he was going to leave a legacy for you and I. That's how we're sons and daughters of Abraham. Because if we choose faith, we're his son or daughter. He's the father of faith. He, he has shown us how to trust God in the most horrendous situation. And if God's going to build a people who would show the world what it means to trust him, and the world would see how good God is, it had to be a people of faith. And so this is why the test. So that song finally makes sense to me after all these years, and I'm grateful. Um, Abraham looked up, it goes on in verse 13. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. One writer said, it was not caught by the thicket alone, but by the one who made the thicket. He went on, he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You have to follow God up the mountain to experience his provision. If you don't go where he's told you to go, if you don't do what he's asked you to do, you will not experience his provision. You'll be scrambling to provide for yourself. When we don't trust God and we don't do what he asks us to do, then we don't see him work to provide for us in the same way. We're scrambling, and it sucks the joy out of life. takes it right out. But our confidence grows every time we trust God to provide for us, to fulfill his purpose for our lives. Interesting side note, um, several thousand years later, uh, Jesus was sacrificed, tradition says, at the same place, Mount Moriah. That's, that's the traditional place of Jesus' sacrifice. It was the same exact site that Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. The only difference was this time when God placed his son on the altar, nobody stopped the crucifixion. That was because he loves us. He wants us to know him and and he wants us to connect with him. It's just a great picture of God's love. Verse 15 says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you 
and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sun on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities uh, of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Passing the test led to God's blessing. It, it allowed Abraham to experience the future that God had planned for him. It blessed Abraham, blessed many others, his descendants through his line, and then through the world. God gave a picture of what it means to follow him. That's the whole purpose of the history of the nation of Israel, so that people would see how God works and who he is. If we don't trust God, we miss out on that. Our confidence grows every time we do trust God to provide. But if we refuse to follow, we refuse to obey, and we don't do what God's asking us because we're just kind of standing still and letting life go away, we miss his blessing. We miss his purpose on our lives. Now, God is gracious. And thankfully, I've balked. Thankfully, he's been gracious, and he weaves the times when we, we don't pass the test into the story of our lives. At any given moment, if you'll decide to trust God from there on out with whatever you're dealing with, he's gracious. He'll weave that in too. But you do miss out on the blessing of God and his purpose for our lives if you back off from that. So we learn from Abraham, from his example, that trusting God's provision prepares us to deal with life, with loss and with worry. And I'd like to show you something that's going to change the mood. That's been kind of a heavy story. And I'd like to show you a little something that's going to change the mood. Our natural tendency, as we're dealing with life, as it flows by, our natural tendency is to try to hedge ourselves against loss by using our own resources or by using the resources of someone else. Now, I'd like to show you a commercial from an insurance company, and I don't normally show commercials, and I like the other guys. This is not an endorsement for any certain insurance company and the mayhem guy is funny too on the other one but but here's here's a here's a commercial i'd like you to see traveling these are so good Man, i can't believe we haven't done this before oh wow look at that a bike do the jingle like a good neighbor state farm is there hey guys uh do it again do it again like a good neighbor state farm is there in my office I think we're good. <laughs> State Farm. All right. Now, why do they do those kinds of commercials? Because it, it strikes to your heart of fear, the fears that you have. I want, I want, I want insurance. I mean, I, I want to be taken care of. If that were true, I'd buy State Farm for sure. So it, it, this is real stuff we're dealing with, and... In crisis moments, we and by the way, get insurance. I'm not saying don't get insurance. It's it's prudent. It's a very prudent thing to have insurance. You know, it's, it's smart. But anyway, the point I'm making is we try to hedge ourselves by our own resources, but the insurance has limits. We have limits. Things get beyond our control, and we try to hedge ourselves with our own resources against those things. But we're going, to get, and we're going to get to the point where it's beyond us. And in those crisis moments, if you trust God to provide, you'll watch him come through. 
your confidence will grow every time you trust him. I want to encourage you to trust God to provide as you deal with loss or the threat of loss. In Hebrews 11, we, we have the ability to get into the mind of Abraham a little bit. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. We, we deal with loss or the threat of loss all the time. Big and small things that we might lose. Small and infinitesimal and huge, gigantic things. Will my dreams come through? True. Or maybe they haven't come true. Will this dating relationship work out? How am I going to cover this expense? How am I going to handle my marriage? Will it ever improve? How am I going to respond to this? How will my kids turn out? Am I going to pass this class? Am I going to make it through this semester? Am I going to be able to handle the pressure of what I'm dealing with right now? Will my career ever take off? Will I ever get in the career that I want to be in? Will this ministry ever help people? Will it ever get off the ground, or is it just going to fizzle? At that moment, which you face these moments every day, you have a choice. Will I offer it up to God and trust him with it and see what he does? Will I give it to him and allow him to do whatever he wants with it? That's the example that Abraham was setting for us. That's why he is the father of faith in the ultimate test. Our confidence grows when we trust God to provide because we see him work in response to our faith. And we don't always get what we want, but we know he's at work and he works to to fulfill his purpose in us. We can be sure of that. Right now, where do you need to trust God? Where's the pressure in your life? Where Where's the the pressure point that you need to hand over to God. You just need to give it to him and trust him with it because life is out of control. We hit the point where we're at our limits. Jesus showed us that trusting God's provision is the way to respond as life flows by. And it's the way to deal with worry. Here's what he said in Luke 12. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Then down in the chapter a little bit, Luke 12, then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Trusting God to provide is the way to deal with loss and and worry or the threat of loss. Faith in God's providence, his provision gives us confidence to deal with worry, to deal with life. What what we do with our worries determines how much we enjoy life. It's going to shape the, the flavor of our lives. Worry can paralyze us. It can distract us from taking the step 
that we need to take from handling the situation right in front of us that we need to handle. This is why we need confidence, and faith in God brings confidence, and it builds as you pass test after test after test, big and small. Faith in God's providence and provision gives confidence to deal with obstacles and face all kinds of adversity. Without it, we're timid. Without it, we shrink back. But this kind of trust gives our lives a solid footing, certitude. God blesses those who trust him to provide. Abraham and his descendants experienced the blessing and the future God planned for them because he passed the test. He went through it, trusting God. When faced with loss or the threat of it, if we get angry with God, if we refuse to put our confidence in him, and we put it in someone or some, something else, we miss out on God's best for us. And he weaves that in graciously. And he'll, he'll pick up if we'll turn to him later on and move forward. But we miss out. So that's, that's as we face the test, we need to trust him. In a few minutes, we'll be receiving our offering. And I'd like to thank everyone for their generous giving. That's how we do what we do here at CIV. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take your connection card out of the program uh, and look on the back of it. There's some next steps that have been suggested uh, by me on that card. And uh, we always look at next steps. How do, how do we follow God as a result of what we heard in the passage that we look at? Uh, my next step is to review Genesis 22 and Hebrews 11, and there's specific verses, and record the lessons learned. Look back over that. Apply it to your life right now, the crises that you're facing right now. How does this apply? How can I trust God? What do I need to do? What is God telling me to do? So review that. Another thing you can do is trust God's providence in my worries by praying and obeying. Every time you worry, just praying, saying a prayer. That's how you express your confidence in God. As you're dealing with the, the decisions, as you're dealing with the choices, God, give me the strength. Would you help me with this? Would you give me your perspective? Father, I know that you will help here. Will you help? So you express your confidence just by talking to God about it in prayer. Then I left a blank box for you to fill in your own next step. If you're at the point, maybe you're at the point where you've been investigating what it means to follow Christ and commit yourself to him. Maybe you're at the point where you've seen enough. You have your questions answered. You're ready to commit. There's a, there's a place on the right-hand side of the back of the connection card that you can say, I'm, I'm making Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior right now. I'm, and, and what you're doing is you're giving your life to him, to follow him. Maybe you're ready to do that. If you want some information about how to begin a relationship with Christ, there's a place to let us know that as well. If you'll let us know on that card and drop it in the offering, that'd be great. Would the band come up as I pray? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word that really does help us to navigate real life, not a fake one, not unreality, but real. And God, we thank you for the help that you give. I ask for the power for each of us to step out, to follow you, and to uh, obey you and trust you as we do, God. Help us with this because we need it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.